It's Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio. It is Friday, March 10th, 2023. This is episode number 754 of the show, and I have two returning guests on this episode, and it is a really great episode as a podcaster, for sure, because both of these guys were amazing. One is comes from England, the other comes from Australia, and they're both really great guests because they are 100% present and excited to be talking about their projects. And, you know, it's just terrific. After all these years, it, it, it makes me feel great when I can bring people back on. And now, now, Tim Roth, who is going to be up second, actually, he he would not have remembered that he was on because he probably does just over the years thousands of interviews and, I mean, probably tens of thousands of interviews. But he was still so gracious, and I'm fortunate that my last experience with him was over a film that he's really proud of and that the collaboration that he had with the filmmaker that he made it with is an ongoing relationship. So it was just a good thing, and I had done a Q&A with that filmmaker at a screening, so it was a nice way to start off. Anyway, we'll get to that later. And I want to mention, before I go any further, I am now doing this podcast with the help and the studio and the facilities and the producers of a podcast network and internet radio platform called Radio Free Ryan Cliff. And this particular episode, though, I am am doing on my own, even though uh, I – yeah, so there will be another episode possibly even later this week that I did live at the uh, studio the other night. Anyway, so this one – the other – Guess though, however, to get back to the show, this episode 754, is Matthew Newton, who is an Australian transplant. He lives here in New York, and I had him on some time ago with an earlier film, and, you know, back in, uh, well, that episode is number 391, back in February of 2017, so it's been six years, just amazing to me. And it was great to bring him back on to discuss a new film, which is currently available on digital platforms on demand called Among the Beasts. And a brief synopsis is it's when the daughter of a criminal enlists the help of a former Maine lieutenant to find her kidnapped cousin. The hardened combat veteran must overcome his own demons to try to save the child. The film stars Tori Kittles. In the lead, like I say, it, it wasn't select theaters, but it is now on demand. Again, it's called Among the Beasts, and I'm very happy to bring Matthew back on the podcast. And here's my recent conversation with Matthew for you here on Filmwax Radio. He got woken up by the cops this morning saying they found her bag on the sidewalk outside some bar. Guilty. Is there any chance that your daughter might just be still out partying? She's 12. Bring my little sister home, LT. Bring her home. Did you know a girl was taken from my front here last night? Is she your daughter? My friend's daughter. I hate to be the one to say it. That girl's dead. The old Bobby better. You act like you're the only one who loved him. Like you're the only one who hurt. You don't own that. Do I know you? I'm someone whose 12-year-old cousin was abducted from the Bronx three days ago. I don't know how I can help. Just tell us everything that happened with your friend's daughter. I didn't find her. That's what happened. I have a witness. Where is she? I can't actually do this. This guy kidnaps another scared little girl. I'm gonna help him. You ready, soldier? You look great. You don't look any different. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the hair weave, you know, you just do it the, when you're young. Get it out of the way. Go to the right guy, and then the rest just sort of... Meanwhile, my uh, 
we can start if you want, by the way. <laughs> okay. All right. So here we go. Well, no, it's great to know, actually. And I'm I'm involved in the Woodstock Film Festival up here. And um, I, you know, I've got my hands in a few things up. I, I, I adapted quite well to up here and I work at a, I'm working at a radio station. I'm a, like an on-air personality or whatever, what, DJ. What, what kind of yeah. station? You get in New Pulse because we even have uh, some sponsors down there. It's called 981 KZE, WKZE. So oh, I know that. Yeah. It's like, you know, a lot of rootsy music and, you know, depressed people with banjos <laughs> and <laughs> lots of other stuff too. I, I, I'm just kidding. But, but yeah, it's really, it's an, it's, it's worked out pretty, it, pretty well. I'm glad I made the transition, you know, mm-hmm. are you, yeah, you have any regrets about it? Well, no, because we uh, we, st- we just we, we've still got our apartment. We just went and stayed up in. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we still got our apartment in. in All right. Um, okay, so the new film. Let's talk about that, and then uh, and then you know maybe just at the end, maybe let's just change the number. So you know maybe this spring or summer we can meet up in uh, like I, I'm you know in Kingston all the time and going to see. I music love that. Over, you know, so it's, the new the new film is called Among the Beasts. And it's already in select theaters and on VOD as we speak, correct? It is, yeah. It opened in uh, New York. It opened in about twenty. Wow. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. It was. It was surprising, um, actually, for you know a, a small independent film. Mm-hmm. And then we we had a day and date release, so it's available on Amazon and on Apple, and you know, yeah. your, whatever your streaming platform uh, prefers. Right. right. Did that sound trained? I don't know. Uh, well, it should. I mean, you're supposed to sound like you've got it packaged, ready to, to describe the situation. I mean, you don't want to miss out on a, what could be only a moment or two on somebody else's podcast. Here, you have two hours today to talk about your film in a very nuanced way. Fantastic. Well, let me begin yeah. at the beginning. Um, yeah, no, it, it was wonderful. Um, we, we were very lucky to partner up with Gravitas, who's a great um, distribution company, and they really responded to the movie, um, and they've been fantastic. I love that team. Um, I mean, I, I, of course, would say that even if I didn't love them, but I, I do genuinely uh, like Gravitas <laughs> a lot. They're, they're really they're, – they're, they're like – you know, I mean, I remember last time speaking to you, you know, they're, they're like us. They're, they could sit and talk, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, James Mason for you know a while. Oh, that's um, okay. Where, yeah, where are they? Are they in the city or are they? Are they actually, the I think they're based out of Cleveland, actually. Oh, really? Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean they've got obviously people all sure. over the place. Like you know, everything is these days. You know, everyone can work from wherever. But um, yeah, they're based in Cleveland. So so they they bought it and uh, and and really liked it and responded well. And they did a day and date, so it was terrific to go into theaters. And we had a premiere in new york uh which was which was great um and it was really wonderful too because a big part of the film um are the veterans that that we got to work with so we you know the film is about um a retired marine who uh whose fallen comrade's daughter is his kind of surrogate niece and he takes care of her takes her to all the soccer games and you know we opened the film with him in a vet a vets a veterinarian's waiting room uh with her puppy and she goes missing he's unable to find her and it kind of sends him down a rabbit hole spiral yeah and it, i think it, it's echoes of the trauma that he's faced in battle the trauma right. he felt responsible for this young girl's father's death in the first place so it's not just even ptsd it's like layered with a, a tremendous amount of guilt so his way of sort of trying to to make up for some of that is to take care of this young girl because she doesn't have a dad and and then when she goes missing i mean that compounds his already his like he's filled yet another layer of failure to this and young shame. girl and shame. so he becomes very you know i think shame is a, is a big I'm, yeah. talking, I'm talking to people. I mean, I remember I heard someone say something once, shame is something that will consume everything but itself. It just mm-hmm. makes itself stronger right. with how much it can consume someone's life and destroy it. And so he kind of falls into that spiral. And he's brought out of it when this uh, young woman approaches him with a missing relative of her own. And through this 
terribly negative, horrible sort of circumstance of this girl being missing, he ironically finds some kind of positivity to put back into the world that he can use his skills again. And in approaching this, Tori Kittles, the lead actor, and I um, were very, very committed to the idea that we wanted to base it in, you know, the the veteran experience and that chosen the chosen family, because I think it's a really, you know, a lot of these, I mean, I talk to a lot of, you know, veterans and I've known a lot of veterans throughout my life. I happen to have done projects that have involved the Navy and the Army. And um, is if you start as a young a male actor, you invariably end up in uniform, and, uh, you know, in some way or another. Um, and so we were very lucky to fall in with the Knights of Columbus, uh, social club, which is uh, a veterans club. Um, we went and visited them and they were great and they were all very welcoming. And the second I met them, I thought, oh God, I'm going to put you in the movie because you're all fabulous. So all right. those guys in the bar, they're real veterans. So it's, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, uh, it's all because if you shoot the, the, those scenes or that scene anyways, it's mostly one kind of almost documentary style, I will say. Yeah, I, I, I sort of, it was an interesting one, this one, because I, I tend to like to work like that anyway. I, I sort of want to ground it in reality and I improvise a lot on set. And because of the structured action sequences and, and those kind of things that this particular story required, it had to be a really a balancing act between that approach and allowing the actors to spontaneously exist in the given circumstances sure. and also, you know, work very hard on making sure everyone's safe and, and, and it looks, you know, and I'm telling the story uh, effectively visually. Um, but that particular sequence is pretty easy because you can just set two cameras behind the bar and, and get these guys talking and talk they can. And it, it's great. It's wonderful to watch. It was actually interesting too, because it's, Tori and Jim Norton are the only two. Actually, the, uh, Jeremy uh, is there as well. So it's Jeremy, Tori, and Jim. And the actor who plays Stevie is also our assistant, uh, one of our assistant stunt coordinators. So he's the guy that does all the fighting in the beginning in the boxing ring. Yes, in the ring. Yeah, and I loved him so much that I just I wanted him to play Stevie. So it's the four of them at the at the bar, but it's pretty much Tori and and, and Jim having to do most of the interaction, um, and. And with those with those real guys, but I, I got to say, all four of those actors just blended so beautifully into them. And you know, it's when you're dealing with guys that have experienced some of the things that those veterans have experienced to, to varying degrees. You know, some of them were in Vietnam, some of them were in the jungle and in heavy combat in Vietnam, and you know, others have had different experiences in um, the armed forces. Whether it's you know uh, more administrative behind, you know. Sure. kind of mechanical, whatever, but the level of experience is different. But the one thing that joins them all is this experience of service. And they're very friendly, but you don't want to patronize them. You know, you don't want to sort of be too great, show too much gratitude. That was my experience anyway. Um, they just want you to be real. And yeah. Jim Norton was my secret weapon. He was absolutely fantastic. That moment in the film where he makes the, he improvises the joke about the human IED that was very early in the sequence of the bar, and that just won them over to us. That's okay, because the- that could have gone either way. But they did. They did. They, they knew his Jim Norton's career, right? I mean, I don't think so. I don't think any of them had any idea who he was. Okay. Um, so that could have gone awry as well, you know. I mean, but but if that's they- Jim, that's Jim's brilliance. I mean, that well, he, of I, I love sure. Jim. He's he's a really good friend, and he he's a great. Oh, yeah. guy. Yeah, oh, really? he, he's a terrific guy, and and he's and he's really and he's a lot more sensitive, and and you know he's he's one oh, of those yeah. that doesn't let doesn't let that show. But no, he he's brilliant, and he he knows how to lob those things out. But that reaction from those guys was real, and and as soon as that happened, then they started opening up, and then uh, Andy, who uh, well he plays Tiny, but he's also he is Tiny. Um, he started talking to me in one of the breaks about some of his experiences. And I said, would you mind if I put this on camera? And that's when we got that incredible story from him. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great moment in a film. And, uh, but, you know, taking a, a tiny step back, a baby step back, like uh, you wrote this film again, it's called Among the Beasts. And in addition to directing and um, where, where did this come from? What did it come from? Just talk your, your conversations with vets or did you already have a, some sort of idea of the story before that? 
Uh, well, I wanted to do something that had a bit of a muscular drive to the narrative, but that would allow me to still, thanks. Yeah. I'm glad that, that would allow me to still, you know, base it in character, mm-hmm. base it in the experience of um, someone dealing with um, a loss and dealing with their past and dealing with the present and, and the combination of those things all kind of clashing together. And I love, um, I love movie movies. You know, I love the, I love the movies where the, you know, I think William Goldman always has that great thing where he says, you know, the movie star always pulls up outside the court and there's a parking spot waiting for him. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. I, I love, I love, I love those movies. I grew yeah. up on them. But I wanted to make a movie where the leading man had to circle the block a couple of times and maybe got a ticket because to me, that's the experience of life. It's always at that moment when you're about to ask someone to marry you or you're about to, you know, get, try and go for the big bank line that you have, you know, the food between your teeth or you trip over your chair or, and putting that on, capturing that on film is something I'm really passionate the about. Grittiness, the sloppiness of life. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of filmmakers want to explore that. I'm certainly not alone there or unique there, but I just wanted to try and apply that to something that, to a story that is traditionally told fairly simply and, and, you know, in a straightforward matter, I, I wanted to see if, what the deviations from that would be and what you would really have to do. Because like, I think what you're saying is, is it's a genre film. And so there are some genre tropes that you're kind of almost paying homage to with, with Tony's character, but you're incorporating it into a more, like I said, almost like a, more like a documentary, like you're shooting real people, you know, what would happen if you took like a real guy and put him in like a real action movie. It has that kind of structure to it. I guess. And, and even someone with those skills, right? You know, with those, with that experience and those skills to deal with those heightened situations, it's it's very different. You know, I, one of these guys, you know, it's that I forget who said this quote originally. It's been attributed to a million different people, but one of a veteran who I was speaking to said, Oh, it's not about not being scared. It's about being scared shitless and doing it anyway. Right. And well, that's the trick, isn't it? Yeah. And I sort of want to see a guy have to deal, deal with that. And I thought that was interesting. And, you know, I was blessed with the cast that I had to work with um, who really jumped on board and wanted to play and particularly being led by Tori as, I mean, he was not just, uh, wonderful as the character of LT. He actually came on board. I'm sorry, I called him Tony before. Tori, thank you. Oh, oh yeah, Tori Kittles, uh, yeah. who's marvellous um, and who people might know at the moment from being in The Equalizer with Queen Latifah. Yeah, he's got a, a bit of a history with her, right? Like a collaboration with her. Yeah, and he's been one of the great, I mean, he's he's one of those guys, you know, he's, he's all that, that guy, you know, he's been that guy for a, a long time and he's done amazing work and I, I saw him in a movie called Dragged Across Concrete um, uh, by Craig Zala, S. Craig Zala. And I, as soon as I saw him, I thought, oh, God, he's perfect. Yeah, and, he's yeah. well, I also had that sort of curtain folds in your mind where you suddenly go, oh, I know him. And you suddenly start remembering all the things that you've seen him in okay. and hadn't, hadn't even realised, you know, like Get Rich or Die Trying. And, um, I mean, I remember him from Tigerland. Hmm. Um from you know years ago when all those amazing young actors uh, got launched, but um, I, anyway, so I, I cast Tory, and then you know working around him, put together uh, you know an amazing cast, and, and like I said, it's important when you cast you know people for a movie like this that they're ready to get up and play because yeah. well, it, I have to tell you, I mean, there's really not a weak actor in the bunch. Yeah, they're they're pretty you, amazing. Like, I mean, I don't, I, maybe that both speaks to your direction. I don't, I don't know, but it's a good cast. I mean, oh. I'm not, I wasn't really that familiar with most of the actors in this. I'll be honest. I knew Jim Norton, I knew Tori, but I didn't know. And I'll say, you know, you don't have uh, a weak link in there, which is really, you know, makes all the, you know, makes or breaks a, a film. I it's I, I was very lucky. I was very lucky, and I'm really careful in my in selection too, because like I said, I like throwing a lot of surprises, and and you know we come up with stuff on the set uh, often if if something happens. I, I just I believe in shooting the movie that's actually happening in front of you rather than the movie that you wished you could have shot when you were sitting at your desk writing it. Because I've worked with really talented people who are so doggedly. I mean, it's a balance, right? You've got to 
get what you want to set out to get, but you've also yeah. got to adapt. If it's raining, it's better to make the most beautiful raining scene you can imagine than to try and pretend the sun's out. Well, you have now, like, I'm familiar with your last two films, obviously. And um, I they both kind of grapple with this redemption theme, right? Mm. Is that coincidence or do you feel have you thought about that oh i guess i guess it i guess it comes up um and it's and it's sloppy you know like the the road to redemption is a sloppy road people, yeah it, you know and people's don't come out just you know you know looking perfect no i think i mean i think it's one of the great themes right you know like uh, uh, one of the first things i studied when i was an actor at drama school was Chekhov, and you know, and Shakespeare, obviously, Chekhov and Shakespeare. And when you go through those great plays... I'm not familiar of, with those guys, but they sound great. I mean, they They're good. Great. Adam, I'll, I'll recommend some titles for you. They're, they're, they're not bad. Um, but they deal with... They, you know, when we read all those plays, the common denominator are a couple of themes. You know, regret, loss, guilt, um, you know, obviously redemption, um, spirituality. And so for me, I think a couple of those... I mean, belonging is a big theme i think that's i mean you don't realize this when you're doing it but other people have pointed this out to me i guess uh over the years but you know belonging uh you know finding a home obviously my first film was about three undocumented kids in the bronx mm-hmm. i think that was where you and i first met oh um, looking about from nowhere um and uh you know that's all all about belonging and finding a home and i mean i'm an immigrant to america and um i'm a very proud australian so i, I, I was going to say second thoughts <laughs> no i'm a very proud uh, I'm a very proud american resident you know an australian american resident and uh i having roots in two countries uh and and sort of you know feeling uh, that makeup inside you, I think, is something that it, it, you know resonates with me. Um, and actually, that's interestingly enough w- with Among the Beasts, the, that sense of belonging that that the veterans have, uh, and, and watching that sense of community. I sort of I said a chosen family um, to somebody, and I realized that that's also not correct because for a vet, for you know someone who has served they don't choose the people that they're going to be connected with for the rest of their life, but they certainly choose to, you know, take that very heroic step to, you know, potentially give their life in service to something and that bonds them together. And so that, uh, you know, family that you find in your life um, is also something that um, resonates for me, which I think goes through uh, a bunch of the films. Well, just to remind people, it's called Among the Beasts. It's written and directed by Matthew Newton. And it's currently on demand. It's currently available on video on demand. And in, it's been in select theaters. Hopefully by the time this comes, this this uh, is out there, I'm not sure if it'll still be, but it's definitely, you can definitely go check it out right now. And, you know, even though we're doing a lot of kind of talking around the film and, you know, the psychological profiles of the character and the, and the relationships, at the end of the day, it's a very fun film, action-packed, and you know, it's a, it's, um, it's a caper. It's a, you know, it's a suspense movie. It's great. There's great action sequences, as I said. So, you know, we were very blessed to have uh, the great Jeff Amada um, uh-huh. do our fights uh, and our stunt, be our stunt coordinator and design our fights. And he, he's the guy that trained Matt Damon for the Bourne movies. He's he's a bit of a oh wow, movie. really? Yeah, okay. we we had met, and he was a. a uh, luckily he was a fan of my previous film who we are now and, and so we had had the opportunity to say it again who wouldn't be oh well, that was a great one i love you thank you adam <laughs> it's very very kind of you um uh checks in the mail but I, I i met jeff had a great experience um you know talking to him and so he came on board and you know normally i could never afford jeff amata but you know he was very passionate about oh. this project um, and so he worked really closely with Tori um, and, and he was instrumental in making sure that, um, you know, all those fights were exciting and real and true and messy and were yes. the spirit of the rest of the film. Hey, you know, it just occurred to me, I, I mean, I know this is a bit off, off topic, but I'm kind of curious to hear if you feel open to talking about it briefly. And that is the Alec Baldwin Rust situation, you know, his, his, um, I guess, what, not not the crime, but the punishment, the 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 his 
uh, case was reduced, at least, the, you know, the five-year extra, they were going to charge him or punish him with another, like, you know, extra years in jail. That was rescinded. So he's still in trouble. I mean, it's still pretty bad. He's he's going to be uh, on, you know, brought up on charges of uh, involuntary manslaughter, I think. Not good. But I was just wondering what your, if you had any thoughts about it. I, I was glad that, because I felt like at the end of the day, it's still a horrific accident, but it is just that it's an accident. And I think we do need to make sure that something like this never, never happens again. But. I, I mean, I wouldn't have any, I wouldn't have any thoughts to add to that particular situation, but I will say we, on our film, we had Brian Shuley, who is uh, with a company called the specialists and they do everything. You have got, there is plenty of gun guns in your movie so uh, that's why i thought to ask and you know no no it's it's it, yeah well we were blessed um you know to have brian and and his associate Rui um be on our set and you know it was it's, it's a really incredible thing to watch uh those guys work it's a very very strict disciplined uh approach and, and you know we, we were blessed look a, you know a crew is I cast the crew as carefully as I cast the actors because that they're the people that are going to, you know, keep the motors running and keep everybody safe and happy. And, and, you know, and it's partly my job to make sure that they're enthusiastic and feel, you know, a, a part of the story. And, and, and I, I, yeah. And I, I, I feel this is not virtue signaling at all, but uh, cause it, cause it really is true. And I need to work with people who are like this. I really want to know people's opinion. Now, I've gotten really good ideas from the grip department. I've worked with some great grips and some really smart people. And, you know, some of these, I remember I worked with a great, uh, a great woman on, uh, I, th- I forget which film it was. I think it was who we are now. And she had an amazing suggestion, which completely solved a problem that I couldn't yeah. figure out. And I, I really believe in that kind of collaboration. So I, you know, I feel blessed to have had the people around me that I had. That's that. That's what I'll say. All right. Well, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but um, no, you didn't. It was, it's fine. I had no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, because I, I, I have a lot of thoughts about the subject, you know, and um, about it, and it's a very tricky situation, to be sure. You know, it's not so cut and dry. Nothing should be looked at as cut and dry. Yet, God, God forbid, it ever happens again. You know. Anyway. I do want to thank you, and uh, it's great reconnecting with you, Matthew. Uh, I, I wonderful to see you. You know, and uh, I really support your career, and uh, look forward to running into you in the Hudson Valley. And um, thank you, Adam. Uh, can I? Can I? Can I ask? Can I make a request? Could 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 you could you say something to me as James Mason? Because I remember you have a killer James Mason. Uh, all I can tell you at this particular time, Matthew, is. <laughs> You wanted to come back into the real world. Well, welcome back to the world. I can't. I remember that speech. Very good. Did you see? I I think I can't remember. It's so many years ago. Did we talk about Odd Man Out? Did I mention? I think I think I recommended Odd Man Out to you because I watched it again about a year ago. Have you seen that film with by Carol Reed? Yeah, sure. I'm trying to remember. My my, my finances just happened. Oh, so he, it's a, it's, I think it's from the fifties and it's, it's James Mason and he's playing an IRA, like a, you know, like a, an I, I think he's playing like an earlier, like a kind of an IRA kind of figure in Ireland. And he is basically left out in the cold for an evening. Uh, it's really good. Anyway, if you like James Mason, I would recommend you watch well, that. I mean, you know, Pretty cool. Yes. Thank, thank you, Joe. That's right. Oh, thank you very much for indulging uh, me. Yeah, no, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I do other impressions for God's sake. Uh, I remember. I remember. Um, so good oh, to see you. Thank you so much for here. having me on. As I mentioned, I had Tim uh, Roth on back in September of 2016. That would have been episode number 370. You can listen to it. It is available. And, you know, this is an actor who, uh, again, comes from a generation of actors that arrived on the scene, meaning they started to become 
visible in films around the time I was discovering my own generation, if you will, of filmmakers as a young guy. And it was a very exciting time. And I had seen Tim in such movies as, like, start off with Mike Lee's Meantime, then Peter Greenaway's The Cook, The Thief, The Wife, The Lover, and then, of course, in uh, movies like Robert Altman's Vincent and Theo, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, directed and written by Tom Stoppard. The collaborations with Quentin Tarantino, including Reservoir Dogs, of course, Pulp Fiction, Hateful Eight. And it turns out, I didn't know, that he actually was supposed to be in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but the scene that he was in was cut. Other films like Little Odessa and the film that he would do the last time he was on the show called Chronic. He continues to be in films all the time. This new one's called Punch. He's really great in it. It's a beautiful film directed by a, a New Zealand director named Welby Ings. And I, if I had known how just good that it would have been, I would have invited Welby on the show as well. But I'm so thrilled that I had this opportunity to talk to Tim Roth again. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, this is uh, somebody who I'd love to have back on as often as I can, Tim Roth. Let me give a little synopsis of of this movie he's in. It's called Punch, and it's currently available on demand and digital platforms. And here's the synopsis. Jim is a promising teenage boxer training under the watch of his demanding and alcoholic father, played by Tim Roth. When Jim develops a relationship with a male classmate, the two are forced to navigate isolation, homophobia, and the brutality of small-town life in New Zealand. As Jim discovers what it means to be gay, he realizes how little strength has to do with heroism. A very touching story and exciting story at the same time. Here it is. This is my conversation with the actor Tim Roth here on Film Wax Radio. I set up your first professional fight. It's your big break. It's what you want, isn't it? We're such a tease. Dad, I've got a life. Not anymore, you ain't. You're a boxer. You made this. All of this. Do you ever get lonely out here? We'll keep the world at a distance. This whole town reeks of testosterone. Eyes up, eyes up. Do you want this boxing thing? I do. Dad, you're all I've got. You can't go around being the victim your whole life. Nobody cares that you're gay. You're my boy, is that, is that nothing to you now? You can't just push everything away forever. You're worth more, mate. We've got a little secret, you and me. You think you want to be mates, but you're too scared. Hiya. How are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm all right. Thank you. Um, I, I just real quick, I wanted to tell you that you you were on my this thing, this podcast once before, back in September of 2016, as I'm sure you remember. <laughs> Isn't but, that extraordinary? And now it's Zoomland. Yeah, it was. But it was for a really good film. I was proud to help to get the word out about Chronic. Oh, yeah. I love that film. That was a, you were wonderful, and the, actually, I ended up doing a Q and A with Michelle. Michelle, oh, yeah. at the Museum of the Moving Image or something. This is going back now, like uh, six or seven years, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we're working. We're just starting writing on the next one. We we did one oh. called Sundown together, um, which is another one of those very strange, you know, things that I love to do, yeah. especially with him. He's, I think, he's one of the great um, filmmakers, and then. We're just starting. We're we're in about to launch into the writing process for the uh, for the next one, which is wow. a huge another huge subject. So, um, this yeah, is with, with with Michelle Franco, with Michelle, yeah, we. Oh, we, so you're your regular collaborators, obviously. Oh, it'll be my third film with him, and then oh. I produce I produce with him as well. Is that yeah. something? Do you have that relationship with any other filmmaker in particular? No. No, I mean, apart from uh, Quentin invited me back on Pop Fiction, and then we did. Uh, uh, were you in uh, that? Sort of, yeah, hmm? yeah. I said, "Were you in that?" 
yeah, yeah a little bit and then we did you know and then hateful eight and then once upon a time i was in for a second but that got cut out oh uh, oh no but it was it was a, such a fun week um and so he's a collaborator for me when and if and when he needs me and but with michelle i think that will go on until, until I, you know, I stop yeah. i hope well i go back all the way with you and your career because i'm uh, what's that one that, that's oh. Mike, Mike, who's been on a couple of times michael lee meantime yeah that was yeah. one of your i just pulled that was this. my second job was yeah second, second time in front of the camera yeah strange so would you count television in the, in that would you say or because I, like, I yeah i don't really care um, either or yeah. and television actually was very different back then i mean my first job was um was uh the thing with Alan Clark for television that caused a storm in Britain. I was not expecting. Um, and I mean, questions in parliament and stuff like that, which is hilarious. Um, but uh, yeah, I, my, my beginnings, I, I count as Alan Clark in Made in Britain, Mike Lee in Meantime, Stephen Frears in The Hit. And then that was how I was sort of shaped, you know, I started thinking as an actor, so really before that community theater and very good community theater um and then um you know quentin at his very beginnings with reservoir dogs and, and how that shaped the my time in america so it's been a complete mess but a lot of fun yeah well anyway a really wonderful time to start a career in film right when you did all those filmmakers you're mentioning yes and yeah. and all the other work i mean so I, but I don't want to get too distracted because I really could just do a whole thing on your, your work. <laughs> but um, I don't want to leave out this emphasis, emphasizing this film, uh, Punch, which in which you, uh, you play the kind of sick and alcoholic, uh, yeah. a bit of a broken down fellow named uh, Stan, who is the father mm-hmm. of the boxer, uh, yeah. of a son who's both a boxer and also let's say figuring out his his uh sexual identity in the over the early course of the film and um mm. uh, uh, well it was it's shot in new zealand so i guess my first question is uh about that is uh you know like how did this did, you were sent the script is that what happened and then yeah um my one of my gang of of um reprobates my agents in in um in yeah. london and they're the same agents I've had since the beginning. Um, they said, I think you should take a look at this. Um, and so I read it and I thought, this is terrific. And, uh, and you know, it wasn't really the, the I mean, the character I understood um, very much echoes of my father, who was in the Second World War, seriously damaged by what he'd seen and done. I mean, he was deep in, in it. Uh, as a as a teenager, a seventeen year old when he joined, he was in, came over from America with his family who were battered and bruised from ver- for various reasons, and then in, escaped his family to go to uh, into the Second World War and saw saw some very 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 heavy stuff. He always said to me, "Homosexuals died in the camps." Always always remember that. He always talked about homosexuals dying in the concentration camps. He always said that homophobia was was a political tool. And so when the when the when the script came my way, I recognized the the illness that the father had, that he was um, bruised and battered and self-medicating. He was an alcoholic. So I thought that that was interesting. I also recognized the love that he had for his son which is something that came my way from my father. So I, it was a, it, interesting to look at that. And then, um, and then I, I was fascinated by the journey of, 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 of Jordan's character's central journey. The, the um, inability to express yourself I, I found that in my gay friends from when I was at, um, you know, very, very young in school, uh, the ones that felt that they could talk to me. And then the absolutely um, accepted homophobia and, and homosexual bullying that took place uh, in school environment, in, in uh, just in life in general. 
Um, Jordan's character sits firmly in the middle of that. And is also a part of it in hiding. Uh, he expresses, he, he, you know, the homophobia that's around him, he joins in to protect himself. Right. And then his journey to burgeoning sexuality, as they would say, you know, coming, the idea of coming out to his father, I thought was beautifully, um, uh, it's very, very important um, that he felt he could. Um, the bravest thing he ever did, I think, more brave than anything that he would do in the ring, even though, you know, sure. I mean, that's, there's, your, there's your trophy right there. But, um, but then the relationship that he has with Wetu and, um, and the, 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 the cultural crossover and also how sexuality is perceived from that side, from the Maori side, uh, of, of of the barrier you know very very interesting it really it sort of it, it the script moved around and, yeah. and examined uh um this uh, the journey of this boy to to um find himself i thought um yeah i thought that it was fascinating you know um and so in in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of the lockdown, got on a plane and went to New Zealand. <laughs> okay, well, I was going to bring it up. I, I, possibly, before, I do want to ask you about that particular, mm. you know, aspect of, of the production, but, but more, well, so I kind of wanted to ask you about the, the you know, your, your uh, process of kind of figuring out this guy, because, you know, you see a lot of alcoholic characters and a lot of different choices, how they're portrayed by actors, mm. you know, uh, obviously going back, you know, walking around hiccuping with the bubbles popping above the head is, <laughs> but you really, your portrayal isn't so much about, you know, like falling over. There's a little bit, obviously, of, uh, it's good. There are moments. There are you moments. really have, you kind of play with this, uh, like a sad or melancholy portrayal of it. And I just wondering what went into, um, how you, or perhaps you worked with Welby Ings, who is the director, yeah. figuring out how you're going to portray this guy. What, what I didn't, I, I, I felt, I mean, I, and I've been around alcoholics all my life, and I've certainly um, sort of drunk too much during this um, experience of being an actor, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, being around alcoholics, and I thought it was important not to not to have him um as you say the sort of bubbles popping falling over cliche i thought what was interesting is when you talk when you're with people where the alcohol is just their maintenance tool it's 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 so f- the f- functioning a functioning alcoholic in whatever however that functioning however that uh, expresses itself the ability to communicate the ability to do that but the only way that they can cope with their minute-to-minute existence is to self-medicate. Is is and 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 uh, so that puts their emotions on hold. It puts their um, their uh, crisis on hold, if you like, so that they can live in them in in this particular moment that they've chosen or you know they're struggling with. So I've been around people who are, you know, wet brain. You know, very very. Uh, physically physically beaten and damaged by that i've been around people who are hiding mm. and using that to keep up the pretense um i felt it was important that he wasn't caricatured so i i picked cherry picked from various people that i i know yeah. and have been have experienced and then placed that um, just gently over the character as his for him it wasn't about his alcoholism for those around him it is because they're looking they're looking at him or they they're trying not to they're looking away from him so that gave him that gave him the ability to function up to a point and i thought that was necessary so we could tell the story yeah yeah I don't know if that makes sense it does and I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking, like, you know, for Jim, the, your son in the movie, mm. uh, he just wants his dad to be present, you know? And yes. when, you are, when you're inebriated, when you are in that space that you're describing, you're not, you can't really be fully present. No. So, and then he lo- feels this loss of his father. 
you know, mm-hmm. um, in those moments. And he really yeah. obviously is at a particular moment where he needs his his father in a lot of ways, you know, that the father's not able to do. It's interesting because the central moment for them, his father is very present mm-hmm. when, 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 when they finally have that conversation. It's very, very interesting, I think, yeah. how that goes down. And, and, the, and I think surprising and wonderful from the son's point of view. But, but, uh, but yeah, I had to make a choice uh, and, I, and we had to be careful so that the conversations could happen or, you know, potentially could and couldn't. Uh, it's, a, it's a fine line. Uh, so New Zealand, it's a bit of a trip. <laughs> Right. <laughs> we we were in very severe lockdown because my um, in-laws uh, were, you know, very fragile and very susceptible, and we had to be very very careful. So we lived in a bubble completely um, on our end. And then I got on a plane. This is pre-vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. During lockdown, went to New Zealand, where you were taken from the airplane to. Uh, various hotels and you had to isolate in a room for 12 days um my one was run by the air force the, the air force over there and but after that and we've been mu- fully masked up and we were spraying down stuff we were doing all of that stuff you know that we did yeah, yeah. Uh, and then after when you're finally when you're you're tested every day and twice a day or whatever and you they bring you food and blah and then um they open the door and you can walk out and there were, it was, ex- I, it was really nerve wracking. I went straight to a Maori ceremony, a, a dinner in a restaurant with Ma- uh, Maori ceremony, blessing the film and all of that kind of stuff was taking place. Oh, okay. I, had yeah. to, I had to go take a break and go outside for a while because it was, I hadn't been for the best part of a year, I suppose. I had not been in the presence of people wow. in any way. And so, uh, except my family. And so um, it was quite um, remarkable. And then we, we, I could go out and I could walk around beautiful countryside and they put me in a little uh, Airbnb and, um, and then went to work. And we had the beginnings of COVID protocol where you, they were just trying to figure it out on set. So you didn't, they, the crew was all masked up and stuff in general. But, but yeah, it was, it was quite something. But they had the best rate didn't they i think in new zealand yeah. i think there was one person that got it. <laughs> i think I, I i was wondering about that because i think that later changed but i think in those uh, for a great for a good period of time early in the pandemic new zealand was mm-hmm. like the uh what's the expression i guess the it was the this is how to do it <laughs> right yeah <laughs> that, that works yeah yeah pretty much, pretty much do it just like this and we'll be okay kind of thing and I, I, I did, um, I did get to meet Jacinda out there, which was a lot of fun, as well. What's so. that again? I did get to meet Jacinda. Well, okay. I was as well, and she was, she got a lot of flack because of, you know, her 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 stance on it. But it saved a lot of lives, that's for sure. A lot yeah. of lives. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, the name of the film again is called Punch. It's it's written and directed by. Um, Welby, uh, Welby Ings, Ings, yeah. Ings, Ings, plural. Yeah, <laughs> I believe this is his, maybe his first feature. I think it's the first feature. Yeah, he's a he. He teaches. He's a professor. He lives yeah. in the woods. <laughs> he's a he's a quite extraordinary guy. Yeah, um, and it was the, the 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 two young actors. It was the first time they'd they'd ever been in front of the camera. They had no, they had no idea what what to expect. So it was extraordinary watching them. You know. And they actually, yeah, and they actually had a really nice chemistry. You know, it's, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. um, a real sensitive portrayal. Of, oh, I hear, you know, I remember I probably have to wind down soon, but I, mm-hmm. I was, I was thinking about this. I wasn't sure if I should bring it up because it, it may sound like I'm almost, um, mm, uh, uh conf- what's the, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, challenging, I guess, the, the premise a little bit. But, you know, okay. I find now it's really the younger people right i mean our our the younger generation of kids sure. coming up now who are really don't care so much about whether or not somebody's gay or trans i'm not sure about that I, yes, yes. cuz I, I i think there is 
I think that there is there is more openness, but there is also still. I mean, if you look at look at the divisions across America, for example, there is still, you know, that far right kind of aspect to culture that you never know if you're going to run up against. That intolerance is still very, very oh, present. I, I, I will not argue with that. Absolutely, yeah. there's a lot of intolerance, and uh, and I think yeah. that even if it's a minority of people, they are very loud about it, and unfortunately, yes. are very power hungry too, and 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 motivated. But yeah. I, I just find I find like now, you know, I li- I've li- been living uh, two minutes left. I have I'm living up in the Hudson Valley these days, mm-hmm. and um, you know, in New York, and uh, and there's some you know the small town. Mm-hmm very big mix of politics, you know, people up here. And, and what I'm finding though, is that the kids in the high schools, they don't have a problem with it, but that's good. That's so good to hear. You know what I mean? You know, it's like, it's much more accepted nowadays. And I just didn't know, but you know, of course I don't really even know like in a small, in in Auckland or some small spot in uh, New Zealand, what, what, what that could be like, but. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I found it fascinating in the script that, and, and, the fact that Welby, I think, chose to talk about that um, yeah. means that quite, quite possibly things are, aren't, aren't, aren't as um, as you know open as you as you as you are experiencing. Mm-hmm. I think there is more conversation. Yeah. Uh, certainly, is a, a downtime more conversation than when I was growing up. Yeah, when you and me um, both. Yeah. Oof, yeah, yeah, it was pretty terrifying then. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, no, no, not much different in in this mean, on the mean streets of Forest Hills where I grew up. But yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> in the seventies, but um, uh, I again, I you know, with that again, Dark Star, it's in select theaters on demand and, and on digital as of March tenth here okay. in the states. And um, you know, again, I, without uh, uh, gushing or anything, I just want to say, you know, really appreciate your career and your choices over the years um and you know it's just such a pleasure and i might be i'm waiting with bated breath to find out if stephen frears is coming on with the lost king his new film uh, <laughs> I, I i i gotta get him on anyway um well, if you do say hi from me <laughs> okay that'll do and i hope not that we don't have to wait six or seven more years again to do one of these but no no well yeah. keep them coming keep them right. coming all right All right, man. Thank you very much. Cheers, pal. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right. Up next will be an episode with NYU film professor and author of many film books. His name is Dana Poland, and we had a great time talking at the Radio Free Rycliffe Studios. That will be up next on episode 755, so look for that shortly. You're listening to Film Wax Radio with me, the host, Adam Shartoff. Thanks so much. Take care of yourself and the ones you love. Until next time. <laughs>